We often think of the events of the first Christmas with our kind of nativity spectacles on, don't we? You know, especially if we're very familiar with carols like Silent Night and Away in a Manger, we think of a really beautiful scene, don't we, where everything is nice and calm, uh, where Jesus is laid asleep, perfectly still in the manger. And I think actually we can end up thinking of something that really seems a bit removed from what Christmas is actually like for most of us. I mean, if I ask Mary and Joseph, so how was your journey? How was your journey into Bethlehem? Disastrous. Disastrous. Yeah, was it long? Yeah. Yeah, and Mary, you're expecting a baby, aren't you? Well, you've actually just had a baby. Did, did you really want to be riding on a donkey with expecting a child? And what do you think about the accommodation? What do you think about the accommodation? Is it nice, or could you do something a bit better? Yeah, is it Premier Inn or is it Travel Lodge? Yeah, it could be better. Yeah. And actually, if we, if we actually dive in and look at the Christmas story, and if we have the reading up on the screen, um, as we start looking at it, we will realize that it's actually really not a story about everything being calm and peaceful and perfect. You know, Mary, really? I'm pregnant, and I need to go to... To Bethlehem, a long journey? That doesn't sound like fun. Um, getting there, nowhere to stay, that's not going to be great either, is it? And actually, we can see a consistent pattern because even if we read after the events of the Christmas story, we see that they're born and there's a king, King Herod, who is desperately trying to hang on to power by any means possible. And actually, on pain of death, they end up fleeing out of Bethlehem into Egypt. You know, the story does not continue in a nice peaceful, calm way. I think that's really important for us today because sometimes we can think that maybe, maybe we have to wait. Maybe we have to wait on Christmas until everything's calmed down before we actually think about Jesus. You know, maybe we have to wait until, I don't know what that moment is for you, whether it's when you've, um, when you've finished cooking, you've had some mince pies, it's the afternoon, and you just sit back on the sofa and watch whatever's on TV. Maybe that's your peace and quiet. Maybe you won't get peace and quiet on Christmas Day. I somehow doubt that we're going to get any peace and quiet with our lot. Um, But you see, actually, the the Bethlehem story is not a story of peace and quiet. It's a story of Jesus, God, in human form, being born into the world in the midst of all the turbulence and chaos that surrounds us. And I think that's really important for us to grasp, because we don't have to sit and wait around and reach some kind of peaceful inner meditative state before we can start thinking about Jesus. Yeah? God comes into the world in amongst the busyness and in amongst the chaos. There may not be peace, humanly speaking, but God comes into the midst of that in Jesus. So I don't know how that might look for you. For me, I'm probably going to cook some Christmas dinner. Some of it is going to be late. Some of it might taste all right, but some of it is going to be burnt. It's going to be quite stressful. How do I react in that circumstance? You know? Do I forget everything about Jesus and God, and do I just get frustrated and angry and, and, and take my frustration out on everyone? No, I think the Christmas story tells us that Jesus comes into the world as a man, as a baby, to deal with us where we are and as we are. And so that's the first point that I really want us to to think about today as we think about the Christmas story is that we might seem really busy. Life might seem really difficult. 
Yeah, but Jesus came into the world in a really difficult, really busy situation. But I want us just to have a quick think for a minute about our favorite story at Christmas time. What are some, what's the big film this year? What's come out this year? I, I'm, not, I'm out of touch, really. What are the big Christmas films this year? Ethan? Rogue One? Yeah, that's not a particularly Christmassy story, but yeah, I'm with you. Um, I guess Frozen a few years back, that was huge, wasn't it? Who's, who's seen Frozen? I presume most, most people have seen it. Okay. Um, probably more than they wanted to. Um, there's always a good romantic comedy out there, isn't there? You know, real feel-good film, rags to riches. And they're great, those stories, aren't they? Jonah, can you just, uh, just, just avoid playing with that at the minute, because the choir need that one. So, they're great. They're great, aren't they, those stories? They make us feel really good, don't they? But actually, they're not really like real life, are they? You know? Unless, unless you've got magic powers and can turn things to ice, you know, and you're this kind of inner repressed person who suddenly gets to let it go, and, you know, it doesn't, that story doesn't really deliver, does it? Um, the romantic comedies... They're lovely, they make you feel great, don't they, at Christmas, but for most people that probably only happens at least once in their lifetime, maybe, not at all. Maybe Christmas for you won't be full of happiness, and maybe there's painful memories at Christmas, you know, people that we've, we've loved and, and aren't around anymore. Um, maybe Christmas isn't quite as glitzy and fantastic as those great stories that we all love to hear. But that's where I think the nativity story the events of the birth of Jesus are actually very different and so much better than all of those kind of false hope type stories that we see. And one of the reasons for that is to do with these guys down here, these shepherds. Okay, let's have a little look at the shepherds. Let's look at the passage and see what happens to the shepherds. Okay? So out in the fields... Suddenly, glory all around them. They're terrified. Now, if you were God and it was your time to announce the birth of your son, Jesus, the greatest moment in human history, who would you choose to announce it to? Ethan, what do you think? The queen. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good one, isn't he? The king at the time, King Herod, maybe. Kira? Yeah, Jesus is the person we're announcing. So, good answer, but not right. Um, yeah, there's lots of different people you might choose to um, go on, Miriam. A news presenter or a TV presenter. Yes, that might be a great idea, but who do, who do the, angel, the angels announce to? They're shepherds out in the fields, just like this, like Theo and Jonah. Theo, why are you a shepherd? You're a shepherd. I bet your dad, was your dad a shepherd? Probably was, I mean, you know. These are just ordinary guys. Yeah, okay. That wasn't the best person to pick on for that example. But the principle is, these guys were just ordinary. These guys were just ordinary shepherds. Yeah, nothing special, nothing different. That's who God chose to announce in all his glory that the birth of his son was going to happen. Okay? And let's look at the reaction of the shepherds. Because I think actually the nativity story is great because it's full of people's reaction. It's full of people's reaction to the birth of Jesus. And let's skip on um, to the end of that reading and see how the shepherds react when they discover Jesus, just as they've been told by the angels. What do they do? Who can remember? What do the shepherds do? They leave glorifying and praising God for all the things they've heard and seen. Yeah? So the announcement of Jesus coming into the world is not 
something just for Mary and Joseph, just a really nice story for your Mary and Josephs, but not really relevant to anyone else. The message of the shepherds is that the story of Jesus coming into the world is something that spreads out, spreads out to ordinary people like shepherds, like you and me, and it results in that praise and glory from the shepherds just spreading out. They leave praising and glorifying God. I imagine a few people saw them wandering home thinking, what are those shepherds doing? But they just couldn't help themselves. They were so excited and enthused by what they'd seen. So the the story of the birth of Jesus is not one of these little self-contained, oh, it's lovely for them. But actually, the great news for us is that we can, each of us, have something special from Jesus. We don't have to be special. We don't have to have special powers. All we need to do, we can open the Bible, we can read, we can pray, we can speak to the God who made the universe. Um, and it's something that's right there for each one of us. It's, uh, and in that way, I think it's a unique story. And I think it's very powerful. And it's brilliant for us. And it's great news. Okay, so you just enjoyed the stories and the readings about the wise men. And there's this scene that we've got to kind of enjoy, isn't there? The scene of the, the wise men. And the Bible does a bit of a meanwhile moment here. It takes a bit of a sidestep. There's all this stuff going on in Jerusalem. And yet the Bible does a big meanwhile over in the east. There are some wise men. Have we got any wise men that could... I feel like we need to engage the congregation. So who's, who looks most like a wise man? Anyone, anyone want to stand up and pretend to get their telescope out? Ethan, would you do that? Would you pretend you get your telescope out and you look out to the sky? Look out to the sky. You're a wise man. You've seen something that you've never seen in the stars before. You get your telescopes out. Look to the sky. You've seen something that you've never ever seen before, oh that's excellent, and there's a star that you can see, and you do a double take, and you're looking back down, you're looking back down, and you've been reading these sacred texts for years and years, and I don't want to be derogatory to people who do astronomy and that kind of thing, but I'm guessing that the days are pretty slow, and pretty boring, and this day is kind of an awesome day, because because there's a beautiful star, it's very close to the edge of the telescope, I'm I'm not sure that's exactly how it was, but, and these wise men... They see this beautiful star, and they start to look down at their texts, and then they look back at the beautiful star, and they look back down at their texts, and they look back up at the beautiful star, and they start to ponder, because you see, they've read in their texts that God is going to make a way back, and the sign for that will be an incredible star. Some stories are so compelling, aren't they? You just can't flick past them. Who has been to see, and this is your chance to shout. We're looking for interaction. Right, okay, you can sit back down now. Excellent work. Rada is calling. You'll be on your way to a great career in acting and everything else very soon. Who has seen Star Wars? Who wants to see Star Wars? Who's happy just to know that Star Wars exists and leave it at that? Nobody's happy to do that, are they? You've got to engage with the story of Star Wars. You can't just leave it. Hang in there. You need to know, as my son asked me the other day, who's your favorite bounty hunter, Dad? (laughs) Who's your favorite person whose profession is killing other people? (laughs) But you've got to engage with the story of Star Wars, haven't you? If you want to really get it, you can't just leave it there. You see, some stories come around in our lives, and they're just too big. They're just too important just to leave hanging there. I was flicking through. Oh, that's better. I think, aware of the stubble. I was flicking through uh, my Facebook just the other day, and uh, 
We do this, don't we? Isn't it incredible how much, not just on Facebook, because not everyone's on Facebook, but nearly everyone's on the internet and is flicking through their tablets at their news feeds and on Twitter. Isn't it amazing how much sort of amazing, joyous news and really sad news that you can just kind of consume without stopping? And the, the most you might do is like, like something or give it a passing bit of interest. I was flicking through my Facebook the other day, and I don't know if you've seen this story. Maybe your friends are just better people than my friends. But there was this story, just tag Dave, if you, if you see him. Have you seen any of that? Has, anybody, has that come up in anybody's post? It's just, yeah, there's a few people nodding their heads. And, and so it's this picture of this lady who's got this condition. And it's a tragic condition because it means that she's got some disfigurement to her face. And... Uh, She's just getting bullied in just the most horrific and candid way that you could ever imagine. And I flicked past, you know, I was flicking through my feed and I kept seeing this coming up. I guess a few other people I'm friends with are into this kind of thing and, it, and it's funny to them. And then I saw, do you know when you get when it flicks up and you realize that it's a video clip and there's a little play symbol there. And I thought, and it was this lady. And I'll give, her, I'll give, I'll give you a name because it's really worth looking at this clip afterwards. She's called Lizzie Velasquez. And, and you see, I saw a, a clip come up and I thought, this is going to be just, she's going to just, if it was me, I would want to just say my piece. And I, and I, I would want to just come back and fight back. And she just gives the most gracious, most beautiful repost to these people that have been bullying her. And she just describes the way that she actually sees beauty. And she describes how every day she deals with this condition. And actually, she describes how she's more worried about what her mum think and I read this just expecting just uh, to come back fighting and yet you see this gracious repost you see some stories when we come to them we just can't flick past them in some respects this Christmas time we share the same dilemma that the wise men had the wise men looking at looking at this this Christmas story looking at the star in the sky checking back at their text we share this same dilemma this story is too amazing. It's too wonderful. We need it too much just to flick past. We need it too much just to like it, or even too much just to sing a carol, or even too much to enjoy the nostalgia and gift-giving of Christmas. This story demands that we really investigate it, that we really look at it, because it's the most beautiful story that there is. Listen, kids, God has got every reason. This is a really good thing to hear. God has got every reason just to give up on us. He's got every reason to give up on us. We've just turned our back on him so many times. And yet the story of the Christmas story, the reason we can't flick past it, is that even though we mess it up time after time, God sends his son a Christmas gift. So when you look at the manger, you can remember that God looked at human beings and loved them enough for it to matter. So you need to stop over this Christmas story. So then, we've got the picture of the wise men following the star. This is the next, this is the next part of the story. So these, these wise men don't give up. They need to investigate it more. Somebody said to me, I drove down to the south of France. It was about a day and a half. And people said to me that I was mad. Do you know what I mean? I was mad to spend a day and a half traveling just to get on a holiday. The wise men, we guess spent something like 80 days on the road. We think they might have come from Babylon. They've traveled through the desert. These are not people who have just got a passing interest in this Christmas story. The story that God gives us in the Bible 
are of people who looked intently to find Jesus and who would go on to find him. And then we get to the story of Herod. So do you think, kids, do you think Herod was a good guy or a bad guy? Herod, Herod was a bad guy. Herod was like the pantomime bad guy. And it's great that we get him in the Christmas story because it gives us this brilliant contrast of characters. All, I think, in desperate need of peace. All, I think, in desperate need of peace. And we've heard a little bit about Mary and Joseph, and we're going to hear a little bit about the wise men. I want you to hold these characters in your thoughts, but remember Herod, in terms of his search for peace, Herod was a bad guy. He heard about Jesus coming, and he just wanted to kill him. And he was, he was capable of wanting to kill people. He killed half his family to keep his throne. He would go on to commit genocide in Bethlehem, kind of, to keep, to, in an effort to keep his throne. But here, what the Christmas story shows us is this beautiful contrast of, of a character like Herod, who is desperately searching for peace, but he's so focused on himself. He's so self-focused on his own reign, his own rule, his own sense of power, he ends up missing the peace. And you've contrast that with Mary and Joseph and the wise men, and think about what their stories are. They have abandoned their own search for, for self-joy. They've abandoned their own lives, they've abandoned their own families, and yet in this Christmas story, they are the people that find peace. Herod is chasing earthly peace, and the wise men are chasing godly peace. And I guess this story gets us to ask, which peace are we after? And it gets us even to think about the fact that these two kinds of pieces, if that's even a word, are heading in different directions and might not always be compatible with each other. God's gift of peace, as Ants already kind of said, isn't just the warm feeling of Christmas. It's not getting five minutes' peace away from the kids. It's not what you do after the Queen's speech when you might toast the new year with a wee brandy or whatever else it is like that. It, that is not God's peace. God's peace is not a serenity guarantee. God's peace is a deep-rooted, foundational certainty that God has got this. God's peace isn't clinging on to what you've got. It's taking a leap of faith and trusting that God has got this. The Apostle Paul gives us a really good verse. Could be a great verse for the Christmas period to the Philippians. And he writes this verse to a bunch of people who are anxious. They're an anxious bunch of people. And he says, pray and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of peace that Jesus brings, the kind of peace that he talks about. It's beyond our understanding. It will guard your hearts and your mind. And when the Apostle Paul uses this sort of language, his imagery is that of a Roman guard, a sentry. So these, these people, where, where the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to, they were in Philippi. They would knew what it looked like to look onto the, the walls of the city and see a guard watching over the city all the time. It wasn't a promise of peace in the immediate circumstances. It was this deep-rooted, certain knowledge that there is somebody who has got the victory and he's got his eye on you all the time. That is the kind of peace that we remember at Christmas. I don't know about you, even as a Christian, even as an assistant pastor, I spend half my time 
searching for the wrong kind of peace. And often it takes me months and months of trying to dig around and searching for these, this kind of peace. And often in really desperate moments, I remember, and I praise God that I remember, oh yeah, we can look at the manger, we can look at a God that didn't give up on us, and we can remember, yeah, God's got this. God's got this. That is the kind of peace I need at Christmas. I don't know about you. We get this brilliant confirmation. I guess this is a great scene. As the, the, can you imagine this scene? As the wise men come into this house. Can you imagine? Have you ever had unexpected guests? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph's face? Whenever there's a knock at the door, any time that's a bit after nine o'clock, how cynical are we? Like, how angry do we get? Who's this? Who on earth is this coming at this time? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph's face when this troop of wise men walk in? And yet what it tells us, can you imagine the, the kind of affirmation that everybody gets? Mary and Joseph have kind of been off the radar for a little bit. They've had the baby Jesus. They've had the messages from the angels. And they've been pretty sure that this is God's plan and this is God's son. And then these wise men turn up. These wise men from a distant land. We might even call them pagan men who come in and say, Hey, we saw a star in the east. We followed it all the way here. And we're pretty sure that your son is God's son and God's peace. Can you imagine that moment? That amazing moment where you realize... Everybody looks in on Jesus, and there's this, this realization. This, this isn't something that people have fabricated. There wasn't Twitter. There weren't mobile phones in these times. This, this coming together, really affirming that Jesus is king. And the wise men look at the baby Jesus, or the, the boy Jesus, and they realize the fullness of the story. They realize that God has not given up on mankind, and they fall down at his feet and give him their treasures. This is a picture that I really love. I think it's a picture that gives us a real lesson, and be another lesson at Christmas time as to about what worship is. What is worship? What does worship mean? I love. I can imagine. Maybe, maybe that I imagine maybe a, a Jewish person or somebody with a religious background looking in through the window at what these what these wise men were doing, and they'll be saying, "What is this? This isn't how we crown a king." We anoint them with oil. We pray over them or something like that. These wise men come in a really quite a pagan way, in a way that they understand with the best stuff that they've got and they lay their treasures down at Jesus' feet. I think that is a great picture for us in Cass at Christmas time. How do we affirm the king to people round about us? How do we show people that Christ is king? What's the best strategy we've got? Take the best stuff that we have the stuff that's most important to us, the stuff that we treasure and lay it down at the feet of Jesus. That's what worship is. I'll leave you with this thought. It's wise men that seek Jesus and when they find him, they leave him with all that you have.